0: had an episode. Unfortunately, that is due to the fact that I've had a few appointments and interviews cancel on us, and it's been kind of a challenging couple of months to try to keep the podcast going as far as that goes. Uh, Of course, you can uh, still hear uh, myself and Steve Bremner and Travis Brown on our other podcast, Warriors on the Wall, which is still pretty, uh, uh, pretty consistent. We still do an episode probably once every month or two. Um, We're trying to get back more consistent. Um, But unfortunately, it's uh, kind of a time challenge, unfortunately. But really appreciate you for tuning in. Um, This podcast, uh, of course, is dedicated to unity in the body of Christ. And um, I try to reach out and talk to different pastors and teachers from different perspectives uh, to learn more about, um, how we can actually become unified in the body of Christ. And today I have, uh, an interview with, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, pastor Carlos Rodriguez. Uh, he's pastor of catch the fire, uh, church, uh, out in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is actually a branch of another church from Toronto. Uh, it's kind of a spiritual, uh, child of the Toronto revival, the Toronto airport revival from back in the nineties. Um, it it's a pretty awesome uh uh interview that we had. Great conversation. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing it and I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh before I get too far into the podcast, I just want to go ahead and uh um, share with you to uh join our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the warriors cry. Share, post, and like all of the different things that we post. Um I definitely uh would appreciate that and uh helping grow the actual podcast network. So Um, there'll be more after the break and after the actual interview, but I want to really, really appreciate you for joining in today. And once again, thanks for listening without further ado. Here's the podcast interview with Carlos Rodriguez. Welcome to the Warriors' Cry. I actually have Carlos Rodriguez, uh, my newest man crush.
1: <laughs>
0: That's
1: awesome. My full name is My full name is Carlos Alberto Rodriguez Otreri Rivera Pagambugo Pardo Garcia. Nazario, just so we're all clear. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm not going to attempt to say that, but I've been expecting you to do a podcast where you actually explain your whole name and you have yet to do it. <laughs> I think I want, to, I want to say that
1: on my podcast every single time and never actually explain it. Um, <laughs> kind of like the theory of mystery. You know, you keep people coming back. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe that's deception. I don't know. It's one of the two. I need Jesus either way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so this episode is the first episode in a while. Uh, unfortunately, we've had a few um, interviews that canceled on me on the last minute, and so uh, I'm very thankful that Carlos was able to join us. And this one might be a little bit longer than normal, so I just uh, hope that you continue listening in uh, to the entire podcast because I know that we're going to be talking about some really good, awesome things and uh, sharing in what God is doing for uh, Carlos and his life and ministry as well. All right, so the foundational verse is First Corinthians chapter one, verses ten through fourteen, and it says, "Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this: that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul.'" and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize anyone except for Crispus and Gaius, that no man should say that they were baptized in my name. Hmm. So hearing the foundational verse, and I actually went to 15, um, but hearing the foundational
1: verse, what does that mean to you, Carlos? Wow, that's a beautiful invitation. Um... A constant reminder that we can actually, like, you know, it, Christianity is kind of set up in different streams, different camps, denominations, um, and even a specific denomination. If you are part of that denomination, let's say Assemblies of God or Baptists in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, if you go to that same denomination in, like, Lima, Peru, even then the the difference would be so, you know, incredible. Um, different styles, different ways of communicating the gospel. Different ways of doing church, but again, 100%, the invitation is always to be part of the same body because we are the same body. We're stuck, right? (laughs) That's the truth. We're stuck with one another. Um, The temptation is always to be tribal, to find a camp that you belong in. And while you're in that camp, the temptation is to feast again on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we take a bite of that fruit and we say, my camp is good and that camp is bad. And we take another bite and we say, that preacher is ungodly and my preacher is the godly one. And we take another bite and we say, this Bible verse, we need to preach it. This one, we can ignore it, right? So we're constantly tempted to choose, to pick, to take sides. Um, And I'll I'll finish with this. I love it how Jesus intentionally had Matthew, the tax collector, and right next to him was Simon the seller. Now, Matthew, the tax collector, was an employee of Rome while Simon the Selah was, you know, what you could call a freedom fighter, maybe even a terrorist organization against the Roman Empire. And Jesus brought them together. And it's surprising that he actually never challenged the tax collecting of Matthew or the Selah of, you know, um, what Simon was doing. What he challenged was their desire to be superior, was their their hunger to be right. And he always invited them. If you want to be first, you got to go last. If you want to go high, you have to go low. And I think that's the invitation that Paul is just using some specific examples from his experience, bringing us back to bringing us back to the same table where we're all included. We all belong.
0: That was awesome. Thanks for that, uh, Carlos. So um, now that you're on the program, um, I I just want to share you to share with our listeners uh, about you and your ministry, who you are, uh, about the things that you've done in your ministry uh, before we really get started into the
1: questions. Okay. Okay. So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Super long story short, um, I met Jesus at a Billy Graham crusade when I was 13 years old. Thank you, Billy, wherever you are here in North Carolina. Love you, man. Um, That's where I met Jesus. I started going. So I was raised culturally Catholic, not really practicing Catholic. But my mom encountered the Holy Spirit at a Catholic charismatic meeting. Um, So I was very comfortable going to Catholic charismatic meetings, going to the assemblies of God. I actually, I graduated from a Southern Baptist high school, so I'm kind of a spiritual mutt, and it always felt, I always felt comfortable in different um, streams, again, of Christianity, Um, and I could, instead of focusing on how I'm different to them, I could always find the things that I, you know, that we, that bring us together, Jesus obviously being that main thing. So all that to say, I ended up in Toronto, School of Ministry in Toronto. There was a kind of a move of God in the 90s, the Toronto blessing. There were some negative stuff about it, some positive stuff about it. I just went because I, I was just hungry for Jesus and just encounter a lot of love, a lot of healing for my own heart. And all that to say, I got ordained there, went back to Puerto Rico, and then I I took a, a British a British wife that loves me and and. And it's, you know, moved to Puerto Rico with me, learned Spanish with me, um, learned to eat rice and beans. So that's my wife, Catherine Rachel, the most incredible woman and wife and partner. And anyways, we moved then to Raleigh, North Carolina, where we planted together with friends. We planted Catch the Fire Raleigh, uh, which is one of the first church plants out of that church in Toronto. So we've been here in Raleigh, North Carolina, eight years now. And yeah, it's been a great time. I I feel like a missionary because I'm a Puerto Rican First language, Spanish, living in the, you know, the Bible belt. So there there has been in the last eight year a lot of culture clash and kind of learning what Christianity means here, different to what it means to me. But it's been a beautiful journey of learning, of humility, of honor, um, and just, you know, just encountering the Father in the midst of differences and in the midst of, you know, a lot of, you know, what other people would consider division. So, right now, and this is the last thing about me, right now I'm leading what is called Happy Sonship. It's a nonprofit. We started with a blog. We have a podcast called Drop the Stones. And what we have is we have a children's home in Peru. We do some incredible stuff with prisoners here in North Carolina. And we also help other families uh, fund their adoption because we're, my wife and I are adopting a baby girl from Ethiopia. So, we really want to help other families that want to adopt. So, man, in a nutshell, that's, I have two boys, gorgeous boys, Alejandro and Sebastian. And like I said, adopting a baby girl, which um, exclusive for your podcast yesterday, we got the first phone call that it's been approved in Ethiopia. So hopefully in the next, next few weeks, um, uh, we're going to go to Ethiopia to pick up our baby girl. So I'm super excited about that.
0: Amazing. That is so awesome. It is.
1: Woo. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to your podcast for the last, I think you've had five episodes posted so far. Yeah. Uh, I will say that you have uh, uh, challenged me extremely through those podcasts. Oh, now, thanks, man. Uh, the first one was probably the most challenging to me. Extremely um, challenging, yes. Yeah, uh, and 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 I almost cut it off in the middle of the podcast because you sounded like you like were completely in agreement with sure. uh, the the guy that you were speaking to, and then of course afterwards you explained your position, sure. which you know I understand now the reason why you did that because yeah. to to argue with someone while you're talking to them yeah. it's counterproductive um, yeah. yeah and and so whenever you said that at the very end I was like hey this guy's really good so I'm going <laughs> to
1: well thanks for okay. sticking it out cuz not everybody stuck it out
0: <laughs> well and and that's the thing you know I I I do like to challenge myself and I do like to push myself um and you know like I said this this love message that I've been on for a few years now it, it's one of those things that it's kind of difficult to understand and it's kind of difficult to pursue. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting, all of the things that God is revealing to me through his scriptures with those mm-hmm. lenses on my eyes,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. You know, what I'm fascinated um, with Jesus is that title that the Pharisees and the religious leaders gave him. They called him a friend of sinners. And you have to think about the fact that they're looking at him, they're analyzing his interactions with these people, um, they're seeing how he eats with them, how he touches them, how he laughs with them. And they're not calling him, um, you know, preacher to the sinners or miracle worker to the sinners. Even though he was doing that stuff, they called him a friend of sinners. And Jesus didn't try to correct that title. He didn't try to fix it. He didn't try to like, no, 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 wait a minute. Don't confuse me with them. No, he fully embraced that. And it would be incredible if the church just embraced that. And there's no doubt about it. When I talk to, like you were saying on my podcast, I talk to my gay friends or I talk to my Muslim friends. I I run the risk of people misinterpreting what I stand for, what I believe in. Um, But, I I mean, I guess I'm trying to, you know, in my best efforts, demonstrate love to everybody. And if if I get some labels that are not the correct ones, I'm not going to fight them. I'm just going to keep loving. So choosing a love above everything else. And, yeah, so I love that.
0: Well, the first question I'm going to ask you is um, if, you know – Let's let's try to rephrase this. So, if you were to meet with other pastors and teachers in the body of Christ, what would be one of the questions that you would ask them as far as like how to bring unity to
1: the body of Christ? Yeah, so I've, that's interesting you say that I was just at an event just this past week and it was called Simply Jesus. Um, and the guy who organizes this event his name is Colin Mediaris, and he was one of the founders of the like the national prayer breakfast that they do um like he's not one of the founders but one of the persons who's mostly involved specifically bringing um leaders from the middle east he's a i mean he's a christian guy missionary he's been in the middle east for many years and i love that he intentionally brings all these great speakers together And when I said great speakers, I'm including myself. Thank you, Jesus, for my humility. Anyways, he brings all these great speakers together, and then they have this awesome event where it's just about Jesus, Simply Jesus is called. And we were talking about specifically this, how to bring unity, how to call unity. And we've realized, all of us as we were talking about it, that when we've had events that are like, let's be together, we're going to be in unity, let's pray together for the city, events that have like no mission together, it's terrible. And I'm sorry to say, but I've been to so many of those like pastors prayer breakfasts, and it's been so hard. Um, unfortunately, most pastors, myself included, we we've, we we've find ourselves like promoting our next event, or it's almost like we're preaching our theology while we're praying, just so everybody knows what we really believe in, you know, um, instead of actually praying. And But at the same time, if you bring pastors together with like a specific mission, let's say a city needs – The city has 0% assistance to the elderly. Let's just use that as an example. And uh, this example is from a thing that's happening in Denver, actually, Colorado, where they're bringing pastors together. The city hasn't been that great at providing assistance to the elderly, and the pastors are coming together. So like a shared mission, which is what Jesus did, it wasn't just unity for the sake of unity, but unity towards something. A shared mission seems to be more of a, you know, Yes, we have our disagreements, but we got to take care of the elderly. Yes, we have our issues, but there's this issue with children that we can be the solution. The church, the body of Christ in the city, in this region, in this town can be the solution. So, yeah, this I I can't say what I'm saying is based purely on what the Bible says we should be doing. But from experience, I've realized when we get together just to try to make it work, try to get together, it doesn't work. Whereas when we get together towards a common goal, there seems to be better results in that sense. And I I realized this weekend that that's that's the same for a lot of the pastors and friends that I was with.
0: Well, and and it's kind of interesting because when I've talked to other pastors, like, you would be surprised how many pastors are completely okay with the division of denominations in the church. They're completely okay with it. Um, I've lived in North Carolina all my life, um, Mm -hmm. and... With the exception of a few different places, like I lived in Florida for a little bit, uh, for about eleven months, and then I hated it; it was too hot. Um, it is so hot. <laughs> and then I moved Good. to South Carolina for a little bit. I was there for probably about three years, uh, but ultimately, I've lived in North Carolina most of my life. I'm from outside of okay. Charlotte, um, and right now, I live outside of Asheville. Which, you know, you mentioned Billy Graham earlier. Uh, Billy Graham's yeah. home yeah. is actually outside of Asheville, so. um That's right. he's on the- out of Asheville. So if you're ever up here, you can come see us.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Uh,
0: yeah, but uh, I'm I'm completely interested in finding out exactly why there are so many pastors and teachers that are so okay with division. And one of them is my spiritual father. Um, I yeah. interviewed him on episode five of this podcast, and it got really contentious because he was basically saying that division is necessary uh, in the mm-hmm. body of Christ. Um, and, and that's what really just befuddles me because I'm like, you know, when you have two churches that bump up against each other with parking lots in North Carolina, that happens a lot. You're driving down the yeah. road, you run into like five or six churches. Um, yeah. and, you know, usually some of them share the same parking lot. You know, it's kind of interesting. But yet when they yeah. get out of yeah. church, they don't even talk to each other. You know? Yeah. That's
1: crazy. And, uh, yeah, he was I think, okay with it. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think maybe what they're trying to communicate but they're using maybe the wrong language and I I don't even know how to explain it but I I'm a big fan of the different expressions of Christianity like I love I love the fact that um God loves the world so much and he really understands different styles different cultures different denominations so I go to for example a G12 church in Peru Lima Peru And the G12 got kind of a bad rap in America, was controlling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But that church in Lima, Peru, 12,000 people, incredible, just reaching the city, doing amazing stuff. And then I do stuff with Catholics in Honduras, and then I do stuff with the Anglicans in England, and then I do stuff here in in North America with progressive churches and charismatic churches, et cetera, et cetera. So I see the value of like the different expressions. But yeah, as you're saying, the, the problem comes when those different expressions can't be together. Um, When we just can't override some of the, you know, we we major on the minors um, and we just sound out of tune. That's the problem to the world. When we major on the minors, we sound completely out of tune. And uh, you probably discussed this already on the podcast, but obviously the prayer of Jesus, that priestly prayer just before going to the cross in John 17 was all about, you know, make them one as we are one. He's talking about us, guys. He's talking about us Protestants and Evangelicals and Baptists and, you know, the right and the left and whatever other expressions and labels you want to have for yourself. Um, The invitation is to be secure in who you are and, and love your family and love your stream and be part of it and get involved but with full conscious knowledge that without the other stream, we're kind of worthless and we won't really reach um, and we won't really fulfill the mission of Jesus in the world if we don't have each other.
0: Now, one of the things that we have up here in Haywood, uh, Haywood County uh, in North Carolina, um, okay. is the church that I go to uh, is uh, pastored by Pastor Nick Hornerkamp. If you ever listened to uh, any of my earlier episodes, my first episode was actually with my pastor at the church that I go to now. and um sure. He basically uh, is, is part of a, something called the Haywood Coalition, uh, and basically okay. what they have done is we've gotten several churches together, and um, they actually make decisions together. They do community projects together. They do all of this stuff together, right. and they chose right. Pastor Nick as the leader because he is non-denominational. He doesn't really have um, sure. any like ties to a, a denominational government or anything like that. Yeah. And so they chose him to be the leader of it. Um, But I've seen some interesting things come out of it. Like uh, a few years ago, we, as a church, as as a uh, church of Haywood County, we got together and volunteered at all the different schools in the area and cleaned the schools up and did painting and all this kind of stuff. And granted, that's one thing, but that's a service project. And service projects aren't necessarily the best means to bring unity to a body, but it is something. So... That's where I start. Come
1: I think I feel it's a good start. those service projects again, I'm not basing it on any theological convictions just from experience. It seems to be the best first step towards moving to a bigger table where we're all included. We all have these great conversations
0: right um and then the other thing that I've actually learned over the last few years is uh uh is and 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 this is common knowledge that the church is not the actual building, the church is actually the mm-hmm. people- of God. And, Uh you know, we put so much focus on the building that by putting that focus on the building, we put focus on the tribes or the, the, uh, uh, the, who do you belong to? Um, I remember growing up, my grandmother used to get this magazine, um, called we are Baptist. Um, Mm. and you know, in it, basically I was reading an article and the lady basically made a comment that we are Baptist before we're Christians. And I was like, Uh, wait a minute. That sounds a little weird. Yeah. But at the wow. time I wasn't on this mission so I really didn't understand that different uh uh difference if that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. but
1: but how do you feel about all of that? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm naturally inclined and tempted to pick my tribe over any other tribe. Um and unfortunately the problem with tribes um they're just, you know, led by a chief um, it's, it's. you have to dress a certain way to look like you're part of the tribe. You have to sing a certain song. You have to be in a certain location, as you're saying, the the, the church building. So even, even I, as somebody who's been conscious for a long time about, you know, some of those tribal divisions and some of those inclinations to be pro my stream more than any other stream, I, I fall into it all the time just in my, my language, kind of my Christianese. I have my own version of Christianese that we use in our camp. And so uh, th- the problem, again, is not being comfortable there because I think it's valuable, just like you can be comfortable being an American or a Puerto Rican or a British person, but that can't rule over being a human, over being a, a believer, over being, you know, o- over being part of this beautiful extended family that we have. So I know that temptation. I've, I've unfortunately preached out of that place. Um, we create events around it and unless we're intentionally conscious that we do that and we're intentional about coming out of our tribes and kind of um, extending our hand of love and service towards others and it has to start with humility and I, I kind of force myself and I end up being so grateful that I kind of force myself to do this but like reading books specifically reading books and listening to podcasts from people from other tribes where I, where I put myself in a place, okay, I'm here to receive, and it's an act of humility. I love the story of the Good Samaritan, because Jesus was not saying that the Samaritan was the person who was on the road that we needed to help. That would have been challenging enough, because the Jewish people of that time, they really, I mean, they were in so much conflict, theological conflicts, religious conflicts, and even cultural conflicts with the Samaritans, that would have been hard for them just to admit, okay, we need to help the Samaritans. But Jesus wasn't saying help the Samaritans. Jesus was saying you got to learn from the Samaritan, because the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, was the one who acted in mercy um, towards that, you know, towards the man that was beaten by the robbers. So, you know, I'm having to constantly choose, okay, I have people that are outside of my camp, outside of my world, outside of my stream. They have good stuff to say. So I, you know, I read from Catholic theologians and I read and I follow Reformed preachers and I listen to my Baptist friends and even to the mega church preachers. I mean, I've learned so much um, from people like Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen. I don't agree with a lot of what they're saying. I don't maybe don't fully embrace their style or whatever, but man, they have good stuff to say. Um, they, They have good things that I can learn from. And it's just, I've taken that road of humility, going back to what I was saying about Jesus he didn't challenge Matthews, the tax collector, or Simon the seller, or how Peter was doing X, Y, or Z. He didn't challenge Peter and his business as a fisherman. He invited Peter to a higher way, which is love and humility, and feet washing, and learning from one another. So, we just got to be conscious of it and then intentionally do something about it.
0: So, you know, the interesting thing there is you mentioned that you have several like reform preachers you follow and and things like that. Mm-hmm. And- some reason this type of ministry this ministry that I've been involved has attracted a lot of reformed and calvinist folks that uh sure. sometimes they kind of troll my personal posts <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah so and and yeah. and it's so challenging for me to um to really be able to explain stuff to people that just they they either aren't interested or they think that I'm completely unspiritual or unscriptural when I'm saying stuff yeah. um yeah, and yeah. you know one example of that was uh, you wrote in your book, The uh, Simply Sonship, and I know that yeah. that's the premise of your new book coming up, Drop the Stones, uh, about the yeah. woman called an adultery. And yeah. uh, you actually caused me to think about that in a different light than I've ever thought about it before. Uh, in Simply gotcha. Sonship, you talk about how the Pharisees probably caught her in the middle of the act and drug her through yeah. the streets. She was probably yeah. half naked, cut up, yeah. dirty, bruised, and bleeding when Jesus actually confronted them about throwing the stones and yeah. um, in the podcast that you had with uh, Steve uh, my co-host on Warriors on the Wall, uh, Steve Bremner, yeah. um, you made yeah. a comment that sometimes the church focuses so much on go and mm-hmm. send no more, but they forget about the part uh, of where are your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I started thinking about that and, um, it's kind of interesting because i think that those two have to go together and if we're not putting those two together then we're causing division if that makes sense we're dividing what yeah. jesus did and we're causing division there
1: yes so i i really believe and it's something very personal to me i really believe in earning the right to be heard and i think jesus anything that jesus invites us into he invites us because he's done it himself you know if he says You know, if somebody slaps you, put the other cheek. We know that he went through that. If he he makes an invitation to holiness, we know he lived a holy life. So he's a great leader, right? Bad leaders tell you to do something when they're not doing it. Great leaders, like the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ himself, he always puts us in a place. So I really believe in earning the right to be heard. So this woman was just caught in the act of adultery. She's about to be stoned to death, which is not just dying. It's terribly, it's a terrible death. Jesus saves her life. And then he says, where are your condemnments She says, no one, Lord, which is her salvation prayer, right? This is That's all we hear from her. That's all we know of her because, again, she's not the main event. The main event is Jesus. And then he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Well, you have to... Remember that Jesus only said what he heard the Father saying, according to him. I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. So it's not just neither do I condemn you like the religious people didn't condemn you, but the Father doesn't condemn you. The Spirit doesn't condemn you. And then he makes that wonderful invitation, go and sin no more. You have half of the church who really wants to focus on go and sin no more. Then you have another growing half that just wants to focus on the neither do I condemn you. It has to be both. The gospel is both. The gospel is, first, we acknowledge what happened. So we're not hiding the fact that she was caught in the act of adultery, right? So that's kind of like that moment of, like, acknowledging my issue or our issues, and the church needs to do a better job at that. Then we realize that Jesus saves us from the accuser or from the accusers, and then he reminds us of the good news, which is we don't condemn you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to then move into this invitation of go and sin no more. I know for a fact that that woman sinned again the day after, probably, or maybe a week after. I hope that she learned her lesson and didn't go back to adultery, but we don't know. Again, she's not the main event. The main story is not how holy she lived her life afterwards. The main event is the story is the holy one coming to her. Um, But I'm assuming that she didn't fall back into adultery. But for sure, she would have done some other sin. So it's not like Jesus saying, go and sin no more, and if you do, I'm going to get you. No, it's going to sin no more, and when you do, you're going to remember, neither do I condemn you. I'm going to save your life. There's a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance, and she can walk in this beautiful holiness, not because she has to, but she gets to because the Savior has met her, has saved her, and, you know, there's this beautiful expression of, of relationship. She was just, she was looking for the right thing. She was just looking at, she was looking for it in the wrong place. So she was in adultery because she was looking for the right thing, belonging, acceptance, mystery, you know, all those sorts of things. And now God himself became that lover to her, became that, um, that love that she was looking for. So, yeah, it's, it's not either or, it's both. Um, neither do I condemn you, and I really believe we have to start with that one. So it's not go and sin no more, and then you won't be condemned. No, that, that equation doesn't work either, which some churches would do that. For some preachers, and I myself have done it. It has to start with. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more.
0: Well, that thought actually brought me to another place uh, a couple weeks ago, and 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 okay. I want to know what your thought is on this too. Um, I happen to follow a Facebook page. I think it's called uh, Hello Christian or something like that on Facebook, and they posted okay. something yeah. about how one of the people on the View uh, talked about how Jesus would have baked the cake. And so I shared that article, and I basically said, um, in so many words, I basically said, yeah, Jesus would have probably baked the cake, but he would have told the person that he baked the cake for, I don't condemn Mm -hmm. you, here's a tasty cake, Mm -hmm. don't go and sin, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I had Calvinists and fellow charismatic Christians that were just like completely shaming me for that thought, And, and even though I didn't really think it completely through before I posted it, I ended up deleting the post just because I I didn't want to cause anyone to stumble. But that was kind of where my mind – what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. Um, So I'll repost it for you. I think he would (laughs) have – I think he would have baked the cake. Um, And I think he would have, again, because he's earning the right to be heard. He doesn't have to because he's God, um, but because he's not looking for puppets or slaves. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for people in relationship You start with those places, and again, going back to Jesus being called a friend of sinners, he would have been happier to be, you know, he would he was comfortable being confused with the people that he was trying to reach, uh, way more than he was comfortable uh, (laughs) being confused with the religious leaders. Um, He wasn't interested, even though he was. He is the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He he is the full expression of the invisible God. you know, he was comfortable being close to sinners and, you know, getting in trouble for it. So would have he baked the gay cake? I think he would have. Um, and he would have done an amazing job at it. It was probably the most anointed, delicious, sweet cake any human being would have ever tasted. And as you're saying, that would have then given him the opportunity to have the conversation, hey, actually, dot, 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 just because we're in disagreement doesn't mean we can't be in relationship. And that's the key right there. My wife is from England. I'm from Puerto Rico. We are extremely different people. Um, our cultures, our backgrounds, our, our way of life, our way of thinking, but we have the most intimate relationship. Um, we've produced children who are beautiful and amazing and wonderful. We're adopting a baby girl together, um, and we still disagree on so many things. Um, you know, So disagreement doesn't have to exclude relationship. Actually, it makes for legitimate relationship. Um it's kind of scary when people are you know in relationship with a pastor and they just agree one hundred percent with whatever that pastor is doing because um, I believe that leaders who can't be questioned end up doing questionable things so that's actually know, a I, as a, that's awesome
0: yeah. leaders who can't be questioned usually do questionable things I like that
1: yeah yeah so i, I yeah, I, I that's my personal belief. But the thing is, if somebody doesn't wanna do it, I'm gonna love that person and believe in that person and have a conversation with that person just as much. I think the temptation is when we are being welcoming um, in our expressions and our faith, um, in the way we you know live out this Christian life, the temptation is that then we become unwelcoming to the people who are unwelcoming themselves. And that, that's just, that's ridiculous. So the whole point is to be as welcoming as possible. So I'll welcome my religious friends who have a strong opinion about gay people and their evil and I'll welcome my gay friends who I disagree with in, in their choices and, and in their theology. The whole point is that Christ meets us all at the same table. There are no different tables. It's the table of the Lord and the meal that is being served at that table is Jesus Christ himself, his body and his blood and everyone is welcome.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, and this is not my uh, political podcast by any stretch of the imagination. I don't talk politics generally on this particular podcast. That's on the Warriors sure. on the Wall podcast, sure. where we argue politics from a Christian perspective. But okay, um, the thing, the thing that really gets me, and and ju- this is just for your knowledge, is I'm I'm a libertarian as far as like my okay. personal uh, sure. political viewpoints, if that makes sense, and sure, and I yeah. think. That people should have the right to not make the cake
1: if that makes mm-hmm. sense, of course, yeah,
0: and and I don't think that they should be held legally liable liable for it. Um, sure. and it seems like you know the 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 uh, community that is causing the problems are intentionally going after Christian bakers to do this kind of thing so that they can mm-hmm. you know say that Christians are evil and Christians are unloving and all this kind of stuff. but on the flip side, those of us who are uncomfortable with something need to do exactly what you said. We need to earn the right to be able to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think standing out on the road telling people that they're going to go to hell if they don't listen is not earning the right. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I've gotten into some discussions with other people on Facebook about you know they're like, well, if you see somebody about to drive off the road and you tell them to stop, is that loving or is that hateful? Well, of course, that's loving. That's not hateful. But if mm-hmm. you're doing it in a hateful sort of way, like jumping in front of their car and beating them with a hammer, then yeah. that's hateful, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think, unfortunately, yeah. I think using that same analogy, unfortunately, we see them driving a certain way or a certain direction, and we get in the way. The, the same is true that by us getting in the way, we're the ones that put them on the cliff, on the direct path, you know? So that that is also true that we don't know where people are headed. We don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing, and it's just prideful to assume that we know that they're heading down a cliff because they might be on a collision course with God Himself. They might be on the road to Damascus, and we want to condemn them and we want to say X, Y, or Z about them, and they just might be seconds away from an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, So our job is to serve, to love, um, not to correct. Not the temptation is. We think that that's our job. No, that's our job. If, you, if you're willing to die for somebody at the cross, I, I posted this the other day, and I've gotten a bit of flack from it, but I really believe if you want to flip tables like Jesus flipped tables, then you have to also be willing to die on the cross for those people that are, flip, that are on the tables, that are selling stuff on the tables. Um, again, you got to earn that right. If you if you want to call out somebody's sin, then make sure you're saving them from stoning. Make sure you're telling them that the Father doesn't condemn them. And then you teach them, and then you disciple them. But it's got to be from that place of, you know, of loving, of serving, because that's what we've been called to do. And I'll finish with this. I love the story when Philip uh, encounters the eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, which you know, a eunuch ha- has been castrated. So they're, you know, they're a sexual minority. A eunuch is, you know, Ethiopians are, that would have been called at the time of, you know, of Philip's time, that would have been called the ends of the earth. That's like all the, all, the, all the nations from southern Africa. So he's a, you know, in that area where he was at specifically, he's a minority from another culture, another country, another, you know, expression. I love that right after the eunuch gets baptized, immediately after he comes out of the water, Philip is transported. So this man, who is sexually different, culturally different, like location different, is left by himself. Like God took Philip completely away, boom, disappeared. I don't – I'm assuming, right? So this is not gospel. I'm just assuming. I don't know. Maybe Philip would have been tempted to try to correct how he dressed, how he looked, how he preached, what Bible verses he needed to read next. We know that the man was already on a collision course with God because he's there in his sharia and he's reading um, Isaiah 53. Well, then if you start reading Isaiah 54, which I'm assuming that's what he did right after being baptized Isaiah 55, it's all about the nations coming. It's all about the light of the Lord, you know, and maybe Philip would have driven him in a different direction. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming, but maybe some of us just need to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and maybe just disappear and get out of the way because the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing.
0: That's completely right. Uh I never thought about it that way, but that makes sense. Um yeah. We were actually studying that a uh, friend of mine uh several years ago, we we're actually studying that trying to figure out where Philip went. Um Yeah. But we never really looked at it that way, but you're right. It it seems yeah. like anytime we see somebody that is in sin and uh uh we bring them into, you know, uh we teach them the gospel or whatever and they get saved then we do tend to try to change them. Um yeah, yeah. when the Holy Spirit will actually do the changing for them. Um and, and yeah. so an an example of that was a few years ago I actually worked at a place uh, a, a very dark and evil place called Check into Cash. I don't know if you've ever heard of those types of places, but uh
1: I haven't no. no.
0: It was uh uh basically one of those like uh uh check advancement companies or whatever. They're not Oh yeah, well, yeah yeah yeah. Okay, okay, yeah that's
1: yeah hard. Yeah.
0: But I met uh, a a guy and a woman um, that came in there, and they needed to use the services. They came in every every week to get money, and it was so expensive. I can't remember the exact percentage of interest on it. It was like a thousand percent. It was ridiculous. Wow. But, uh, wow. But anyway, they came in like every week, and I remember one day, um, uh, the guy came in and he had to pay his debt, and it was pouring rain outside, and I, I don't know why, but I just started talking to him about God and all this kind of stuff. Come to find out he grew up in a Christian home, but he kind of turned his back on it and um, yeah. started just sharing the gospel with him, sharing what God was doing in my life. And instinctually, at that point in my life, I invited him to church. Um, and so mm-hmm. he brought mm-hmm. his then-girlfriend to church. His girlfriend at the time was dressed uh, not very appropriately for church, um, but <laughs> brought her anyway. He came. Yeah. And uh, yeah. now, basically, this is many years later, um, she is actually on the worship team at that church. Um, she's, wow, right. Wow. she's, she's an, a beautiful, awesome woman of God. And, and I'm so proud of yeah. that. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is I didn't try to change her. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't try, but there were people yeah. in the church that tried. Um, sure. and over time, I guess the Holy spirit just started, uh, convicting her to the point of where she, uh, started dressing more modestly and things like that. And, um, I, I just, I'm, I'm completely thrilled with the, the, the move of the Holy spirit in that scenario. Like you were talking about, we can't yeah. be in the way when the Holy spirit's trying to move. So I appreciate that thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, again, thinking about Jesus with his 12, cause that's the, if you want to talk about discipleship, that's the ultimate way of discipling. Jesus empowers them to do healing signs and wonders. Like they are so included in his mission He actually spends more time, um, you know, historians and um, great theologians that love to study Jesus. uh, They'll tell us that he actually, in terms of time spent together, he spends more time with the disciples than with anybody else. Um, And, and yes, there's times when he's calling them out. I I love the time when um, Jesus tells Peter, wow, Peter, that was revealed to you by the Father. You, You are a rock. Upon this rock I'll build my church. Four verses later. He goes, get behind me, Satan. I mean, literally four verses later. Um, so of course, there's a place. It starts with encouragement. It starts with inclusion. Yes, you can get to that place of calling people's out, calling them out on their sin. Um, I'm I'm proud to say I have fathers and friends that call me out, that notice things in my behavior that need to be challenged. Yeah, you know, we all have blind spots, and we all need friends and family to do that. But again, it's from a place of service, of honor. It's actually because I see who you truly are. Um, It's it's not because I want to make you something else. It's not because I want to make you be like me or act like me or sound like me, but because I see the true great potential in your life. Because I see in the eyes of the Spirit, like Jesus saw Peter and like Jesus saw John, he saw beyond themselves and he acted out in that sense. So that's constantly the invitation is to see people through the eyes of the Father um, and, to, and to welcome them and serve them and encourage them and invite them and just be with them. And there are times to calling out each other, but unfortunately the church has been trying to do that without first earning the right. And it's hard to even say this, and again, I'm processing, so this is just for you and me and nobody else. So sorry, podcast people, you got to close your ears now. but I'm processing this about John the Baptist himself where he's got this incredible calling, which is to make a way for the Lord. And once he he does that, then he ends up like he starts using that kind of position he has to condemn the political leaders of his time. And he lost his head for it. I'm not saying that was wrong or whatever, but his mission was specifically to make a way for the Lord to proclaim, you know, the coming of Jesus. Um, and then he ends up you know using that influence to condemn the religious the the political leaders he loses his head um jesus didn't go and save john from losing it again i'm processing here so i don't want the ministry of john the baptist as much as i love john and i know that jesus said no greater prophet has been born up to this time than john the baptist he's a man of god he fulfilled his mission goodness gracious thank you jesus for john the baptist but I don't want the ministry of John the Baptist. I want the ministry of Jesus. I want the style of Jesus, the words of Jesus. I, I want to serve like he did, heal like he did, wash feet like he did. And if it takes, if, if it's up to that place, then die, um, die for the sake of the gospel. Um, so, but again, I'm processing. So forgive me all you John the Baptist lovers. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and and that's definitely an interesting thought. I never really thought about that, but that does bring me to another thought, um, and, okay. and I've said this time and time again, that Jesus didn't come to save the government, he came to save the individual. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't mm-hmm. come to, to judge the world, he came to save the world, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so in doing so, he you know, his saving the world through his crucifixion, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, it was judgment because John 3.19 says this is the verdict for uh, the light is come into the world and whoever uh, runs away from that light um, basically never had it in them, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that those words were actually used several times in the Gospels of uh Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke, and John, where Jesus specifically said, look, I didn't come to judge you. I didn't come to do this or that. Yeah. I came to show you a better way. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, and one thing that actually came up to me was you were mentioning how you had spiritual fathers and people in your life that called you out on things. And and I totally mm-hmm. believe that's scriptural. And I think that's, that's a, a good thing. Um, because mm-hmm. in first Corinthians chapter, um, five, it says, um, "For what do I uh, five twelve? For what do I have to judge the outsiders? Um, do you not judge those who are inside the uh, inside the church, but those who are outside uh, are gods? Uh, remove the wicked man from among yourselves." And so, this is specifically about how we are supposed to have relationship with our brothers and sisters, and when we see things in their lives, they're Christians. We should be able yeah. to say, "Hey." you know, you're on a yeah. collision course, or, hey, you need help, or, hey, yeah. let's get together yeah. and do this, or, hey, whatever. Um, we are perfectly well within our Christian rights to do so. However, yeah. um, when I see Christians judging other Christians that they have no relationship with, I, yeah. I get very defensive of that Christian that they're judging that they have no relationship with, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. or the people that are outside the church. So I, I get really uh, protective of them, if that makes sense. Osteen comes mm-hmm. to mind. If you go on any sure. group on Facebook, you see Joel Osteen is like the the butt of so many memes and jokes, it's not even funny. Sure. Um, sure. And and I don't like Osteen personally. You know, I don't necessarily sure. listen to him. Um, he has yeah. convicted me on a few occasions when I was flipping through the channels and he happened to say something, and all of a yeah. sudden yeah. the word was a rayma word at that particular moment in time, and it just slapped me across the face. Um, yeah, yeah. But how many millions of people have come to Christ because of his ministry? Um, and, and to criticize him and to say that he's leading sheep to hell, um, yeah. then you're basically saying that all of these saints that came to Christ through him
1: um, yeah.
0: are also on a path to hell, and that's not our place to make that judgment.
1: No way. No, it's definitely not our place. Um, and, you know, thinking of Joel Osteen, at least he's not— He's not preaching that kind of gospel. At least he's not sending people to hell for X, Y, or Z. Um, (laughs) So it's all about perspective, right? What are we seeing? And the disciples had a question about somebody who was preaching about Jesus and doing some Jesus stuff. And Jesus said, let them be, you know, Um, don't stop them. Um, So that's kind of my perspective. Again, like you. uh, yolos is not my favorite there's other preachers that i wouldn't you know connect on everything they're saying but there's no doubt about it some other people are like there's a proverb and i can't remember where it's at but it says saving souls is wisdom so any any kind of entry point um, jesus is the way the problem is sometimes we feel like we're the pay toll and they have to come through us and they kind of have to pay you know with their stop doing this sin or they pay with you give to this church or they pay by you choose these preachers or whatever jesus is the way to the father we sometimes feel like we're in charge of who gets in that way um we just have to be, do a better job let's do a better job at the first part which is love serve not condemn and then we'll get to the fun part then we can as you're saying in discipleship and relationship get to challenge and call out um you know when jesus in, in the, when jesus was talking. Um, about taking the speck out of your brother's eye first get rid of the log on yours It's he's talking about brothers, right? It's your brother who you know who you see make sure you get rid of your log and then you can help them with the speck um, So there is a place for helping them with the speck afterwards, but it's got to be It's got to be after we deal with our humongous logs just poking out of our faces um, Smacking everybody we come in proximity to we got to stop that in order to move on to what's next and hopefully you know we can do that in the place of relationship a deep relationship and love
0: amen that's 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 right and you brought out a a section of scripture where uh i think it was the disciples were actually telling jesus that there were people that weren't part of the disciples that were casting out that's demons right. and yeah. jesus said hey if they're not for if they're not against us then they're for you leave they're them for alone us.
1: yeah yeah um, that's
0: right and, you know and that's the interesting thing too, is I've run into so many Christians that think that it's their duty to be watchdogs of ministries. Um, yeah. There's so many different yeah. websites out there that criticize like Bethel and um, yeah. Yeah. criticize elevation, and you know, and I happen to be a huge fan of, of, of Stephen Furtick. I know you said that you didn't necessarily agree with everything he says or his style or whatever, yeah. but I, I, I happen to be man, a, he,
1: man can he, fan can he preach? Goodness gracious! What a he, preacher! Yeah,
0: and and I have like uh, I, I I joked about you being a man crush. Well, he's my biggest man crush right now. So um,
1: <laughs> good, good. That's a good one to have. To a really I'd good one it. to
0: have. Oh yeah, I'd love to get him on the podcast, but uh, you know he's yeah. an extremely busy man and and uh, very sure. selective of the sure. kind of media he goes through, and that's understandable. Yeah. Um, but sure. I'm not going to stop trying to get him on the podcast because I love the guy yeah. and good I really
1: for you. Good yeah.
0: I really, really respect the guy, but um, you know, one of the guys that uh, I've interviewed in the past is uh, Caesar Kalinowski. Have you ever heard of Caesar Kalinowski?
1: I've heard the name, but I, I can't say I know much. Um,
0: well, Caesar Kalinowski started the Soma communities out in uh, California. Um, oh,
1: okay, California. okay.
0: Um, he's pro he's one of the the founders of that, uh, and I think he's also uh uh he knows uh, who is it Mike Mike
1: Bream, I think. Okay, Mike Breen. I know Mike personally. Yeah, he's great. Oh,
0: okay. So I think they're they're related somehow. Um, okay, okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, Caesar Kalinowski was on my podcast. He was actually the last episode of last year, uh, episode eleven. Um, and I just he had me almost bawling on the podcast because he was mentioning discipleship and he was mentioning how discipleship is needed for a united church, like a body mm-hmm. of Christ united. And he says that churches nowadays don't disciple correctly. He says we have a a teacher that teaches a discipleship class once a week, but they don't do life yeah. outside of the church. They just meet yeah. once a week. They talk about discipleship uh, ideas, but then yet they don't do anything. Um, and yeah. then that's my criticism of church in general. Is um, you know, and and I, and I criticize the church because I was called to love the church uh, and and yeah. to bring unity to the body of Christ. But I criticize it simply because of the fact that I, I, when I go to church, I see the people every single week, but yet none of those people um, really have relationship with me outside of the church, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I see them every week, hey, how you doing, blah, 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 but Monday through Saturday, I never see them. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure it's the same way with everybody else in the church. And, of course, there are cliquish groups and things like that in the church that have relationships with each other outside. But I, I, that's one thing that I've never really understood is how that happens. And I think that goes back to our tribal nature, how we, we have to have like a group of people that we attach ourselves to, um, yeah. But, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing to me was was when he basically mentioned that discipleship's really, really important. And it's not just having that class and not just having one person teach it, but it's actually doing life with each other. Like if you see somebody that's going to a court case, that you go with them. Um, if you see somebody that's hungry, that you actually take them to eat um, and spend time with them. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we need to do. Um, you made Here's a comment cool. earlier that Jesus spent more time with the disciples than he did with anyone else. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that should be the model that we also do ourselves, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough I learned that from Mike Greene. actually. You thought we're talking about him. Um and one of his amazing books on discipleship. Love that guy. Yeah, I mean, it's so I was just talking with Randy Matthews. Um he's an he's an Indian Christian leader who has seventeen thousand house churches, um, more than half a million people in his whole network. And they're all about, you know, whether you agree with the house church model or not, they're all about discipleship at home, doing life together. And what they do is they're just hanging out all the time together, feeding each other, inviting their non-Christian friends. Um, The persecution towards Christians in India is growing drastically right now. Unfortunately, one of his leaders was just killed a few days ago, um, Mm -hmm. I found out. So, you know, this is, the the way to do it um as they're doing it is they're meeting with each other, they're taking care of one another, they're including their neighbors, their Christians and non Christian neighbors. And then while they're hanging out, they're having all this beautiful curry and the kids are running around. There's always a point person that's kind of like listening to what God is doing at the moment. And then people trust that, okay, he goes like, okay, I feel like I have a verse. We're gonna read this verse and then we're gonna worship and kind of everything goes um around that person and in the next meeting they have a different person so they have usually two pastors per house church Um, and it's kind of like a more natural kind of flow to how to do church and they have their Sunday meetings um, where they bring some of the house churches together and etc but he says the the Mecca is not the Sunday the the most important thing is the life together outside of those big buildings and not to discredit one or the other um, but maybe we should do a bit more of that I, I so one of the things I do dislike about, um, and again, I'm super, I love Steve Burdick and I love Joe Osteen and I love what they're doing, and then, but but I, I find it sad, and maybe this is more of a Latino culture thing, that you can have a church where you see a screen and you can kind of come in and out. I could do that at home. Why even go to the church on Sunday? I feel like people get to those locations because in that location, it's almost, they can check the box, I came to church on Sunday. Um, but what about touching? What about being with one another? What about doing life together? What about hanging out and, and, you know, just being family? And what about that model of Christ with his disciples and then with the 70 and then not just doing family for the sake of family or community for the sake of community, but doing mission together and traveling together and eating together and um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I guess, again, as a quote-unquote foreigner um even though i'm a, i'm I'm an American citizen culturally i'm different from the people i'm surrounded with um so i, I you know I, 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 it's almost sad to me that we're missing out on that big family um big gatherings in homes where we're doing life together where we're getting in each other's business where we're earning the right to be heard um It's just you know but I love what they're in deep deep Matthews is saying what he's doing in india um building just these beautiful strong communities in each other's homes. That then are taking I mean, it's more than half a million people in this church network, um, and most of them are new Christians, which is absolutely incredible.
0: That was a fantastic podcast that you had with Ron Deep, and I really. uh oh, thank you, sir. His ministry uh, out in India. Um, yeah, I Actually, uh, a few years ago, I stumbled across a video from a pastor in India, and I don't know exactly what part of India, but um, he was talking about unity in the body of Christ. Believe it or not and um so i emailed him you know just i i emailed him just to see what would happen and he responded just most graciously but i thought it was really really interesting that it it it's it's kind of funny um when god moves it it seems like he's moving in the same way across the earth if that makes sense mm-hmm. so and and i really believe that this unity idea this unity message is percolating i really think that it's happening mm-hmm. Um, there is something percolating. I don't know if you feel it in the spirit, but I really do believe that it—that that sure. something. There is something there, and I've been praying that I run into other people that have the same vision that they can join me, uh, in 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 this ministry. Not necessarily the Warriors Cry, but in the the ministry of unity to the church, and 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 yeah. and somehow working together with the churches to bring them together so that there is a dialogue between the churches. Um, Great. Right and and so that the fingers can be the fingers and the hands can be the hands and the arms the arms yeah. and the eyes the yeah. eyes that's it um, but you know it's 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 interesting to hear what Randeep was saying and i'm 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 sorry to hear about one of his leaders in his church yeah. out there um that that grieves yeah. me a lot um yeah. but yeah. i i will say one of my favorite things is the house church idea um yeah and, and I love the idea of a house church, and I agree with you yeah. about not having the screens and all that kind of stuff like Elevation does. Um, I've yeah. been to Elevation Church, I think, three times, um, and, and it's funny because I live really, really close. Um, sure. I live in a few hours uh, from their church, um, but I usually go to their main campus uh, when I do go because mm-hmm. I, I prefer sure. to see Stephen Furtick live. Um, sure, sure. Because I, I, I don't know if I like – I don't like the screen. But one thing that I had a friend of mine tell me uh, who was actually there at the beginning of Elevation Church, um, he actually works with me um, up here. And he basically told me, he said that um, they have all of these, like, uh, ministry groups within those satellite churches that Mm do
1: Mm -hmm.
0: lay hands on them. And they do do all of this stuff um, that would normally be reserved for a local church that doesn't have a screen. Um, they do have great and all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think that's where they are actually able to explain that or make that, I guess, but I'm still not good. Like my friend was telling me, he said, you should go to one of those remote satellite locations and check it out. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, and then, so the other side of that, which I'm also just as convinced Um, and and to their credit, obviously, is that, you know, like Paul says to the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews, to those under the law, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There are people that are not that comfortable with that, you know, everybody in a house and it's a mess and everybody's loving on each other. So, you know, again, saving souls is wisdom. So if in that context of just a screen and not having, you know, for like extreme introverts, not having to have too many touch points, again, maybe it's just a difference of style of culture. It's not mine, Um, even though I'm naturally more of an introvert. I just love just being with people, touching people, and I really believe that's the ultimate. But maybe it's a great entry point. Maybe that's precisely what some people need, to just come and quietly sit at a place. There's worship. It's very certain the time it's going to be done. Um, There's a screen. You enjoy this incredible preacher with great revelation and very inspiring, and then you go home. Maybe that's, you know, that's to the Jews. I became like a Jew to win the Jews. And those are those kinds of the introverts. I became an introvert to win the introverts, you know? Um, So the other side of the coin, which is why I I, I want to speak more life than um, than criticism for sure, is that every stream has its audience that is reaching. And we're just going to say yes and amen to whatever God is doing with the different streams of different churches, whether they're humongous or tiny, whether they're big Sunday celebrations or tiny house churches. Just say yes to what God is doing and acknowledge that we're all doing our absolute best. Um, There are some charlatans out there trying to, you know, take advantage of the gospel for their own sakes. But the majority of us, um, we're just trying to do our best to win people, to show God's love, and to help each other, you know, have the life that we were destined to have.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, Carlos, I uh, definitely um, I think we're going to start winding down the podcast because I really think we've All had right. a conversation. And I know uh, this is going to be a long episode for our listeners. Um, I kind of sure. got kicked away because I really enjoyed talking to you. So. Thanks, man. I really
1: appreciate <laughs> it. I incredibly appreciate your effort, as you're saying, to, um, you know, you know what you believe in, you know what got, you've been called to, and yet you're opening the table for others. That's just a beautiful thing. As you're saying, you feel like, the rumblings of that are happening for sure um, there are many things that people can say about Millennials but there is something that I've noticed with specifically Christian Millennials um, they're way more open to hearing from other streams to be an influence not just hearing for the sake of yeah I listen so I can criticize but actually listen to learn um, to be inclusive so um, I'm not saying it's exclusively to Millennials that that's happening but I feel like this coming generation is really willing to learn from one another, to grow with one another. And I think unity will look a lot different in the next 10, 20 years, and it's going to be very exciting.
0: I I, th- I totally agree with you, and I really, really think that that is something that's uh, that's very important for us to embrace in the body of Christ is uh, utilizing that. I think that's definitely one of the things that Elevation Church does really well as they include they do. millennial yeah. culture in their church. They do. Um, yeah, it's great. And and I'm not comfortable with that because I'm not technically a millennial. I was born in 1980, so
1: uh, I'm I'm at uh, the very- I'm, I'm summer of '81. I'm officially the beginning of millennials. <laughs>
0: so I'm the end of Generation X, I guess you could say. But uh, well, you
1: know, well, you know what? Just so you know, and check this out. Um, you we are called the Oregon Trail generation, and it's those three years in between Gen X and millennials. Um, An Oregon Trail being a, a software that Mac Apple computer put out. Just check it out after the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, the Oregon Trail Generation. And and it has to do with the fact that our moving into adulthood happened during 9-11. And the world changed so much based on that one event. Um, And that's right when we're, you know, properly becoming independent adults. So anyways, read about that. It's very interesting.
0: Well, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I've never heard of that before, but you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny. I grew up with video games, and I'm a diehard video gamer, and I play a lot of that stuff. Um, There you go. Yeah, so I enjoy it. But uh, uh, definitely, once again, I thank you for being on the podcast. We're gonna go ahead and stop recording, and I want to appreciate uh, our listeners for tuning in. Um, Stay tuned for more information after the uh, the break. Mm tell you, I had a lot of fun interviewing Carlos Rodriguez on this podcast. Uh, you might have noticed in the middle of the podcast where there was a change in his audio quality. Um, unfortunately, I really believe that uh, Satan was really trying really hard to stop our conversation. Um, his internet kept going in and out. Uh, it could have been mine. Who knows? I'm not really sure, but his audio kept dropping out. Um, So he went from using his really nice fancy microphone all the way down to using a phone and calling in. Uh, But luckily, we were able to actually have a great conversation. This was the longest podcast I think I've ever done on the Warrior's Cry. And part of the reason why I really wanted to spend that time was because... Carlos um, has challenged me more than I think any other leader has in recent uh, years as far as uh, people that I've studied and people that I've listened to. Um, He's challenged me in the love message that I've preached time and time again. But unfortunately, uh, in my flesh, I don't tend to live that life as well as I hope I do. Um, and one thing that he's taught me, just kind of listening to him, is how to embrace sonship. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you um, his book, Simply Sonship, is phenomenal. I'm only about halfway through, but it is really, really good book. Um, he's got another book that he released before that. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but um, I will post it uh, on the website as well at thewarriorscry.com. I'll post links to all of his books on Amazon. Um, You can purchase them there, um, or you can actually purchase them for your Kindle or iPad or however you want to actually read them. So I'll post them there. Um, I do encourage you to read them, maybe get them on Audible and listen to them. They are fantastic, um, and they're very challenging, very, very challenging. Um, After the interview, uh, Carlos and I had a little bit longer conversation off uh, the record, so to speak, uh, because I just wanted to pick his brain about some different things that I've been kind of muddling through uh, in my mind. Um, He did agree to be on Warriors on the Wall at some point in the future, so if you really enjoyed listening to him here um, soon, hopefully we'll have him on with myself, Steve Bremner, and Travis Brown um, soon. Uh, cause I think that'll be a really fun conversation. You can check out his podcast, which is called drop the stones. You can get it through iTunes. Um, I happen to download it through pocket casts. Uh, I'm sure it's available on all the other pod catching, uh, podcast catching apps out there. So I do encourage you to do that. um, also go to facebook.com forward slash the warriors cry, like our page, share our page and share the different thoughts and things that I post on there from my devotional times, as well as just, uh, general thoughts and things that I ha- may have that I do share there. comment on them too, because I definitely want to grow that Facebook page to where it's a place where we can share our thoughts and have communion community together. Um, in addition to that, you can also go to facebook.com forward slash the warrior's cry. Uh, like that page, that's the other podcast where we kind of talk about politics from a Christian perspective uh, and current events and just various different little things. Um, but that is a fun podcast as well. Um, this was definitely a fun interview that uh, I had with Carlos Rodriguez, and uh, I really, really appreciate him for taking his time out. You can visit his blog at happysonship.com, and you can also uh, check out his little store that he uses to support his community at Happy Sonship, uh, which I think is happygivers.com, happygivers.com. If that's not correct, you can actually go to happysonship.com and actually click to the link to the store On the website, and that's how you can actually see that. But um, Carlos was a gracious uh, uh, interview, and um, I would just encourage you, listeners, to support his ministry uh, in any way you see fit, buying his books or buying uh, something from his Facebook or his uh, Happy Sonship uh, community page as well. Um, We definitely want to bless each other. Uh, One last thought that I wanted to kind of share with you guys uh, at the very end of this podcast, something that's been kind of rattling around in my brain here as of recently, um, and I haven't really had the ability or the time to sit down and actually put it to thought. So I'm going to share like a little five-minute little blurb, uh, and that is, in the body of Christ, we should be supporting each other with with our visions, with our ministries, with our... Uh, work, our careers, anything that we have in the church, we should be supporting each other. So an example of that is if you know a brother or a sister who happens to have a construction business and you need to build something, then support your brother in Christ. Um, If you know that your sister uh, in the church is an accountant and you need an accountant, then support their business as well. But it doesn't just mean support their businesses and give them money in that sense. But another thing is, is if you know of a brother or sister that has a ministry or say that they're a musician or say they've written a book or whatever, we should take it upon ourselves to really support each other. Because if we're not supporting each other, who will? And I say that kind of selfishly on my part, um, because unfortunately, uh, the community that we are all in sometimes doesn't support um, each other, and uh, I just want to uh, encourage you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we are supportive of each other, supportive of each other in in everything that we put our hands to, in everything we put our hands to, whether it be sharing our Facebook pages, uh, sharing our Facebook posts, liking them, whatever, getting them out there so that other people. Uh, can see them and respond and and uh, uh, take advantage of those uh, blurbs of information. Um, if we know that they're a musician, that we're buying their CDs or that we're um, sharing their music with our friends and family, buying them or whatever. If they're writing books or if somebody's writing books, that you buy a couple of extra books and hand them to your friends and um, that you just bless the fellow members of the body of Christ. It's not selfish to ask that, and I just definitely. Uh, Encourage you, brothers and sisters, that you support the other members of the body of Christ. Um, That's something that God's really been speaking to me recently, and I just wanted to share that with you. Um, Anyway, once again, Facebook.com forward slash The Warriors Cry. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash The Warriors Cry. You can give whatever you want to uh, on that. Uh, You can give a dollar a month, you can give five dollars a month, whatever you want to give to support the ministry of The Warriors Cry. Hopefully, um, that'll go a long way to getting uh, other uh, interviews, maybe uh, interviews um, with uh, speaker fees or anything like that they may need uh, to come onto the podcast. Um, that would be something that would be great. Um, and of course, you know, I'd also like to be able to uh, run this as a, uh, a, a ministry that can support other ministries as well. Um, So if I know that there are other people who are trying to start up ministries to build unity uh, in the body, that I may be able to support them as well. One last thing I'm going to throw out there is I've got a little contest. If you like our Facebook page, um, within the next two weeks, um, I will put your name in a hat, and I will order a copy of Happy Sonship. Uh, or Simply Sonship by Carlos Rodriguez, and I'll order the copy with his autograph on it and have it shipped to you. So that is my uh, promotion that I'm doing. I will share that on my Facebook page as well. Um, but I definitely just encourage you to like the Facebook page within the next two weeks, uh, and that's starting today, July 25th, um, through uh, I think this the first week of August will be the second week. Um, but anyway... Um, Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Warrior's Cry. Uh, Continue fighting the battle, fighting the good fight, and bringing unity to a divided church. Love you guys.